The in-studio videotaped version of this podcast is available on YouTube. Just type in David Trapella at A Quiet Place. Please be sure and hit the subscribe button and ring the bell for future notifications. Shh. It's time to let go. Release the burdens brought on by life when you simply want to be free. You're a blinding beam of light and you deserve to be free. You're always welcome here. It's time to be quite honest. Good afternoon. We are here this afternoon with a group of people in a roundtable discussion around the coronavirus 19. I have with us today Dr. Scott Becker. He is with Austin Gastroenterology and is a member as well of a band called The Lost Wagers. I also have Lisa Tingle, who is not only an RN, she is also a singer and songwriter here in the Austin area. With us also is David Drapella, and I'm Sarah Bush. So we'd like to say welcome to this opportunity to have an open-end discussion, not only about the virus itself, about the ways that we can take a look at supporting the changes, lessening the fear, opening our hearts and taking a look at what we can do as a community, and more importantly, how to support the music community. So with that, I'm going to open up the discussion with Dr. Becker, since um, the opportunity to have you is um, a gift, I'm going to say that. Um, But I think that in the questioning of my own clients, and in even putting out there on Facebook, the concerns that people have that are not being touched on in the media or on the internet is, you know, why me would I get caught with the virus? What is it specifically that has me be a target? And second second to that is if I get it, what are the ways that I know that I'm over it and can I relapse? So those are good questions, and I think there's a lot of information that is evolving, as we all know, because this is a relatively new virus that seemed to be recognized in November of last year, 2019. What they're saying now, if people are quarantined, what Anthony Fauci said was, if you have two negative tests 24 hours apart at the end of your 14-hour period, a 14-day period, I think, though, that that's difficult for a lot of people because nobody really knows who has it. And the big question is, are there asymptomatic carriers and can we affect other people without having any symptoms? So my understanding of the public health aspect of this is what people are trying to do is to essentially flatten the curve. And what that means is, They're trying to mitigate the impact of this disease on our society, which will accomplish a couple of things. We'll raise herd immunity so that many more of us will be immune to it, and we'll not overwhelm our healthcare system, which we're hearing about in Italy, so that the resources that we have in place are going to be able to be appropriate and useful to take care of the people who really need it. And... What we need to do now, I think, is that we need to come together as a society and figure out how we're going to behave in a way that's appropriate without stressing each other and ourselves out and benefiting 
the other people in our society. For example, I'm actually worried about people who are older and patients that I have who are on immunosuppressant medications. Because as we know, people over 60, people who have underlying conditions, and people who, have, who are on uh, immunosuppressant medications who have underlying conditions are the most at risk for this disease. The likelihood is very small that most people are going to die from this. It's certainly more serious than the flu, and it's extremely communicable. But the problem is not you, it's grandpa. It's people who are 80 years old who are going to get this. Those are the people at risk. And that's why nursing homes are not allowing visitors in. That's why you should stay in your house. That's why we're asking people to basically not do any leisure activities, gather in large groups, or do any leisure travel. Yeah. So, Doc, Doc, is it really, uh, I hear that uh, the flu kills a lot more people every year than this virus does. What, what's the truth there? I think the percentage of mortality from this virus is actually higher than the flu. And I don't think that we know how many people actually get this virus yet. So I don't know how many people in our society have it and have it in an asymptomatic state and never develop anything. Because most of the time when we get a, a mild viral illness, you just sort of tough it out. You just hang out at home. You uh, get some sleep, you take some Advil, you um, eat right, and you wait for it to go away. Um, so I, what it, it appears that the mortality rate is significantly higher than the flu. Really? But in, we don't know because the absolute numbers of people who've died is, is not huge, but percentage-wise it seems to be significantly higher than the flu. Well, I look at the UK that they closed down, they're gone, and the, of course what happens is the news media that we have, uh, 43 people have now died in the UK, and I'm thinking, how many people live in the UK? I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's so small, but when I think about it, 5, 10 million people and 45 of them died, I'm going, well, that, that's not too bad of a track record here. If, if, if flu, they tell me flu kills in the United States, 250, 250,000 people a year. I'm going. Well, but the problem is that the denominator is very different, right? The number at the, on, on the bottom side of the fraction. So if you have a 1% mortality versus a 3% or uh, the flu, I, I don't remember exactly what the number, do, number is. The percentage of people who die from this disease is, is much higher than the flu per number of people infected. And the communicability of this disease is significantly higher than the flu. Yeah, you guys are in bad shape today because I'm 82 and y'all need to go home. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I could spread this out right now. Y'all you know? being deep, 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 deep. Sorry, and I hope that doesn't happen. Well, I, I, hate, <laughs> I hate to tell you this, but Doc, I came back from Asia. <sighs> How long ago? Well, I had <laughs> take it easy. And when I got back from, I had a straight flight from Manila into L.A. I did not go through China this time or Hong Kong. And I got back, and the truth is, I didn't have any problem for about two weeks. And then I got sick, and uh, I kept coughing, and I couldn't cough anything up. And it was like, this is bad stuff. So 
I went to my normal doctor was out of town, and so I went to a different doctor, and uh, he was a homeopathic doctor. And he treated me for an hour and a half, and when I walked out of his house, I never coughed again, and I didn't have any more fever. Two days later, I went to my regular doctor that told me, go to your standby doctor, I'll be back in a week. I went to him. They tested me, and I said, all right, are you going to give me something for... And they said, no, we did a culture, and we have to wait for the culture to come back. So they waited for the culture to come back, and uh, I had a virus. When was this? Uh, That was about a month ago maybe six weeks ago. I came back February the 4th, and uh, I got sick right after that. February the 4th, maybe by the February the 8th, 9th, or the 10th, something like that is when I started having a fever and couldn't cough up anything. And I thought to myself, you know, this is not good because I need to cough up something because if my lungs fill up with something, I'm an old guy and they, I don't want to die from that disease they call the old man's friend, calling pneumonia, just conk off. So uh, that's when I thought, I need to have somebody do something about this. But all the doctors were gone. That's why I went to my homeopathic doctor. And, uh, and it was interesting because what he did is he he gave me glucose and he drew my blood out and he passed it through an ultraviolet light and he worked on me for over an hour and a half and he took all the blood and kept moving in and out with his syringe. And uh, it, uh, this ultraviolet light, he was killing the bacteria or whatever it was in there, I imagine. and. Uh, it was, a, it was like a miracle when I walked out and I didn't cough anymore and my fever was gone. I never had it since. But I did have the virus. Now, my doctor says... You had a virus. I had a virus. My doctor said there are many different types of this virus out there, you know, this number 19 that we had. So, um, but I wasn't fearful about it. I mean, the... The thing that I see happening is uh, in the in the world today is what I call the fear factor. Uh, I, I I wrote something many years ago, and and I think that uh, aside from the virus, I had a, a writing that said uh, life is a classroom, and each day I attend. And the only thing that I'm absolutely positive of is that my teacher is pure love. So if today I leave the classroom angry, it is because I have not understood the lesson. Because pure love can only transmit pure love. So I always look at my life and say, what's the lesson that the universe is trying to teach us? And one of the big things I see here is the fear factor that we have in the world. Think about if something really bad were to happen. Look at the fear factor over this one virus, which could be nothing, 
to something that could really happen on this earth. So is there a deeper lesson that we need to learn as mankind? Should we not look at one another and say, why, why, what am I learning from this here? Am I, am I just scared? Am I fear? And this is a place where I think you have to find that peace inside of yourself. I mean, um, for me, I don't have any fear of death. If I'm going to die, I want to die in peace and not be scared because I'm not going to have something. So the thing is to be calm, not panic. This is a big thing. People panic. Uh, there are stores, they tell me, stores are empty from toilet paper, water. And like you said, the water in these plastic containers, if they stay there long enough, the plastic contaminates the water. So, But the big picture is the fear that we see in on the earth today. So I want to ask Dr. Becker how that feels to hear that conversation because there are people in the medical world that are not necessarily in support of alternative care. And the conversation that David just had, does that concern you? Well, I think, uh, I think we're talking about a couple of different issues here. Okay. So the first issue is, does fear and stress contribute to bad things? And I think undeniably fear and stress will make you ill. I have, when people ask me, does stress make this illness worse? My response is always, I have yet to meet the illness that stress makes better. And on a hormonal level, certainly cortisol levels, hormonal surges associated with stress definitely don't make people better. That said, there are certain common sense things that we can do, and there are certain things that make no sense. And what I mean by that is common sense things are this is, first of all, this is a serious thing. This is a disease that is extremely communicable, and it's not nothing. Uh, there were 70 cases attributable to a, 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 the Biogen meeting in Boston, people in an auditorium who got this disease, and it's very communicable in closed spaces. So what do you do about that? You do, you, life is about maximizing your odds in any capacity. So you get plenty of sleep, you eat right. You make sure that you get some exercise, go for a walk. What do you not do? Drink too much alcohol, go to a gathering in a large stadium of, of people, which now it's, there's no more than 250 people in the city of Austin. So yeah, I, I, think that, uh, I think there's something to be said for that. I personally don't have any problem with what you described as alternative medicine, provided it works. I'm trained in evidence-based Western scientific medicine. Coincidentally, I actually spent three months in the mid-80s in Wuhan, strangely yeah. enough, and uh, worked at a medical university there and saw things that people were doing that were alternative. And interestingly, in Chinese medical, in the Chinese medical establishment at that time anyway, there was not a lot of interaction between the traditional medical people and the Western-style medical people. But there are certainly things 
that the traditional medical practitioners did that worked. And, and those things definitely work. And I, it's, it's very simple when people come into, I mean, I'm a gastroenterologist. People come into my office and they say, I feel poorly when I eat this. So what do I tell them to do? Don't eat it. Don't eat that. <laughs> now, I also think that, you know, a lot of gastrointestinal illness is manifest because of stress. And I always say it's third on the list of things that script your head after sex and religion. But that's, <laughs> that's good. I like but that. But that dog. said, I think this is something to be taken very seriously. The mortality rate is fairly high relative to other viruses. Some viruses, if you and you look at a virus is an amazing thing if you look at what it is from an evolutionary standpoint. This is not Ebola virus. Ebola virus, you get exposed to it, you're probably dead. The mortality of this is very low, but the transmissibility of this is extremely high. So this, the whole epidemiologic thrust now in flattening the curve is really important to not overwhelm the systems that we have in place. I think that there are a lot of countries doing a much better job than we are at dealing with this. The Koreans have drive-through testing, et cetera, et cetera. But I also think that it's very important that we not panic and have some sort of a communal attitude towards this. Because what we're worried about is not so much you or your healthy 20, 30, 40-year-old person. We're worried about that person contracting the virus and then going to visit somebody who's elderly or immunocompromised and carrying that virus and infecting them because it is so transmissible. So, for example, nursing homes are not allowing any people in except non-essential visitors. Um, and I think people just ought to stay home. Will the economy take a hit? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, as somebody who, as you mentioned, as somebody who does play music, I have a day job. But I'll tell you this. I think my work is going to be, we're going to shut down non-essential elective procedures because that's the right thing to do. And I, I did read an article in today's paper about this guy who said that he had bought 18 jars of peanut butter. And I was actually surprised to say that he could that he actually did that, because I think that's morally and philosophically wrong to go and hoard things, because there are people who need these things who are not going to be able to get them. Even in Italy, grocery stores are not closed. People are still able to get out of their houses. They've just shut down recreational activities. They've shut down things that are non-essential. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be coming together as a community. We need to be not pursuing recreational activities, don't indulge in non-essential travel, stay away from large gatherings of people, stay at home. I'm, I'm going to have to stay at home and watch bad movies that my wife makes me watch. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, because there's nothing sports-wise on centers, TV. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. And I want to pull Lisa into this conversation because before we actually started this podcast, we got into the whole conversation of um, how do we feel? When we experience something in particular, such as going to a grocery store and, and having somebody cut us off, um, how does that make us feel? But before I get to that, I want to share a story that occurred today in our own production team. We have someone in our production team that texted us and said, my wife has been sick. She's had a fever. We have an eight-month-old baby. 
that had also been sick and were quarantined. And so, uh, as as Philip says, Mother Bear here calls Gabe and says, what can I do to support you? And I think that that's part of the conversation that we need to have, but more importantly, how we are socially, because the truth was, Gabe had been to the grocery store and could not find any baby baby food for the eight-month-old. They could not find Pedialyte. They couldn't find diapers. They couldn't find wipes. They couldn't find anything to support that child or much less their family. And so I said, let me see what I can do this afternoon for you. I've got food, but I also will go to other places that are not your large grocery stores, see what I can find. And sure enough, I found enough for the next couple of days. But as the store had said, if people will just slow down and realize that the things that they're taking because of their fear and the items that they're taking, whether it's toilet paper or water or hand wipes or baby food or whatever, that also helps with people that are elderly that don't have the ability to chew and have to eat baby food. Um, that also includes any of the medical staff that's taking care of people that live inside that home that take care of the elderly. But more importantly, the families that do have small children that need support. And I was reminded in something that somebody said to me today that's a client that reminded me, you know, the truth is when we take from other people in hoarding stuff, it could be the grandparent next door to me that is being affected by not having the supply because I'm claiming that I need this for my own parents when in fact they're robbing from the people that they need to be paying attention to in their community. So having told this story and reminding not only this team, but people in general that we do need to pay attention to how to support even the people that were around. But Lisa, I want to come back to you for two reasons. One, you are a nurse. And I think that that's real important for people to understand that you're just as important to the world of medicine as Dr. Becker, because there are things that you support in the medical world that supports Dr. Becker. But also for you to have experienced what happened today, I'd like you to share that and to share how that made you how that made you feel. Yeah. Well, tying in what both Dr. Becker and David said, uh, I think when something like this happens, they were looking at a study of World War II where People started immediately turning to each other. What do you need? How can I help you? I'm going to the store. What can I get you while I'm there? Are your parents okay? Are your children okay? I'm not seeing a lot of that. Instead, I'm seeing this every man for himself attitude, and no one's making eye contact and uh, cutting in, in line. And it's really shocking to me. Um, and yeah, the stores are bare. But in my attempt to try and make eye contact with everyone I came in touch with there, I couldn't with anyone. And then I stopped at the gas station and just filled my tank, and a, a gentleman held the door open for me and made eye contact with me. And I thanked him, and it was the only time through the entire day of my errands that anyone did that. 
that stopped and took the time just to a simple kindness like that. And that's the first thing I thought of when this was all going down. And you mentioned, what was your phrase? Uh, the love is your teacher? Yeah, my teacher in, in, the, in the classroom, my teacher is pure love. Mm -hmm. So whatever is happening to us, the question is, what am I supposed to learn by it? Right. You know? And instead of thinking myself, myself, right. myself, right. and closing all the doors and the windows and shutting yourself in, yes, we're supposed to, I think, take responsibility and, and stay home, like Dr. Becker suggests. Um, but to still be kind to each other, to check on each other. Um, I don't understand the concept of hoarding where, where there's plenty to go around if people would just take what they need just what they need. Right. I just needed a few rolls of toilet paper. <laughs> I didn't need 15, you know, I needed a few. And a guy beat me to the shelf and got the last one and didn't look at me at all and ran off like a little kid, you know. And it's astonishing. Well, so how, how did that make you feel? Uh, well, I laughed because I'm just not used to that. I think maybe as a nurse, too, the first thing you think of is compassion and he was clearly frightened, a grown man, um, and it just surprised me. The same thing in driving. I'm noticing that in traffic. People are cutting you off and not signaling and just, just this desperate. I don't think that had anything to do with the virus. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's just Austin. It's been going on yeah. here in Austin yeah. for quite some time. <laughs> yeah, but it it's just uh, you sense that it brings out the best or the worst in people. Yeah, and my son texted me and he said, "I don't. Ha what are you going to do for toilet paper, Dad? I, I, I don't have any." I said, "Well, we don't have Sears and Roebuck catalogs anymore, <laughs> but <laughs> there are work. still corn cobs." I said, <laughs> "You can use that." You know, somebody I mean, sent me a text and said, "There are leaves in the yard. Yeah, there's newspaper. You know, there are all sorts of avenues." And even in the conversation that I had with one of our our production crew today, I said. Y'all are worried about not having baby wipes. Well, I don't know about you, but when I had my son, we didn't have that. Right. And we you had, did just fine. Yeah. We had, um, you know, small hand wipes or that were like a, a washcloth and you wash your wash at the end of the day. Yeah. So I want to shift gears for a minute because I, I for one, experienced this in the work that I do. Um, when people come in and they are um, emotionally stressed they are with chronic issues health-wise. They're over-medicated. Um, they're not eating right. They're not getting enough sleep. Home life may or may not be okay. And so I get into this whole conversation about doing what I refer to as an emotional inventory. Because what I find when I work with people is that not everybody realizes that the emotion that they bring into themselves settles somewhere in an organ. And normally it's the endocrine system that gets affected. And so what I always say to them is, you take better care of your car than you do your own body. When it's time to change the oil, you change the oil. When you need to put gas in, you put gas in. When you need to put air in the tires, you put air in the tires. And yet when you know from your doctor or from everything online or everything that you see on TV says 
you know, eat healthy. So, so what does that look like? Eat clean. So what does that look like? Um, I don't understand that. I, I eat over here and this is all I can afford to do. So I educate on ways that they can literally go back to the grocery store and choose alternatives. You can choose a corn tortilla instead of flour. You can choose this instead of that. You know, they're small, different things. How many fruits and vegetables are you eating during the day? Well, that shouldn't have anything to do with how I feel. So let's shift gears a minute. How much carbohydrate are you eating? And I give them a list of things that they might be eating. What... um, are you drinking tea? Oh, yeah. Do you put sugar in it? Oh, yeah. So how much sugar are you taking in? Oh, well, so let me share with you when you came in and told me that you had fibromyalgia, then maybe we need to talk about food allergies. You know, there are all sorts of little things. But more importantly, the more I get to peeling that onion, it has to do with the emotional drama that they have placed inside that has their immune system start to break down. It's a vibratory issue. And what about stress? And, uh, you know, we a lot of people stress eat. Absolutely. Um, they'll scroll through the news or, or, or sit and watch TV news and eat without regard for what they're putting into their bodies. It's a habit. And the more fearful people get, the more they indulge. And uh, Absolutely. There's got to be some balance to that. We can prepare but not go out and empty the shelves and hoard. Right. We can prepare and not panic. Right. And take care of each other, not just ourselves. Yeah. Lisa, main thing you said, balance. Yeah. Everything in life is about balance, you know? Without the negative, I would never know the positive. Yeah. Without the positive, I would never know the negative. The question is, how do I walk between them and find the balance with everything in your life? This is one of the keys, is the balance in your life. Very good. Mm -hmm. Very good. So let's take a look at the impact. The impact that this is going to have and how do we shift the fear and the impact. And I I think that first I want to comment on, I, I'm really kind of looking forward to the next 30 days because I have my taxes to do. I, I want to paint the inside of my office. You know, I want to clean my office. I want to organize my house. You know, there's some really positive things yeah. that I think are being gifted to us mm-hmm. to say, could we just stop? You know, Turn off the TV. Time with people that you... Spend time with the family. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go to a park and have games and rides and all this other stuff. You don't have to do Mm -hmm. that. You don't have to go to the coast. You don't have to go anywhere. Just go for a walk outside. Absolutely. But I think what's more important is that if you take a look at the hurricanes or the tsunamis or the tornadoes Mm -hmm. or the incredible amount of snow, ice, and flooding, the fires. You know, every one of those communities have come back with a resilience, Mm -hmm. a community commitment to override the devastation. And I think we need to let go of the fact that in this area, especially, we've not had anything major in a long time. And for South by Southwest to be canceled, 
was an eye-opener for a lot of people. That was a huge impact because, what is it, $213 million or whatever it is, that was the income that came in last year. Now, all of a sudden, it's not there. And so that's affecting musicians. That's affecting places of business. That's affecting restaurants. Um, all these people that have printed up all this stuff that now have this incredible amount. And could it not be something that even once the virus dies down that we do South by Southwest? Or will it be too late? I have a couple of comments. First of all, I got to be honest with you. So I, when I look at balance, I'm going to get back to David's comment. I don't look at it as a balance of negative and positive. Although obviously that's sort of the yin and yang of of life, right? Right. If there's if there's black, there's going to be white. If there's good, there's got to be evil. And we would never know the good if there was not evil. But I think the balance in life is really something more in my mind. I'm not trying to. Say what you think, Don. You don't put me down. (laughs) Don't do that. I got no problem. (laughs) (laughs) And I look at it more as sort of the way that Dalai Lama looks at it in that book he wrote, The Art of Happiness, where he looks at there's different aspects of your life that have to exist concurrently. So you need physical activity, you need mental activity, you need communal activity, you need personal activity, you need family activity, you need activity with your partner, you need activity with your same-sex friends, your, your buddies. That's the balance that I look at. That's the, so if you push things in one direction and you work, and all you do is work, for example, that's not a balance. Right. And that's the way I tend to look at it. Um, what you were talking about a little bit earlier, um, I think that's very valid I'm not sure about the food allergies. That's a whole different discussion. But I think that um, there are a lot of layers to this. And I think we can't discount the economic effect that this is going to have on people. People are not going to be able to pay their bills. People are not going to be able to drop their kids off at childcare. People are not going going to be able to get a paycheck. This is going to be a hardship time without question for us, for all of our loved ones, for everybody we know. Our economy is taking a nosedive. There's almost certainly going to be a recession. We're going to have to do without some things. By the same token, I think that every other time in society, we've been able to rise like the proverbial phoenix from the ashes. We learn lessons We need to understand what this is and what we could have done better. I hate to say this. Some people are going to die from this. And nobody wants that, but this is what's going to happen. And like anything else in life, you have to maximize your odds. You you have to take an approach to this such that you want to make sure that your elderly and your infirm have the best chance of surviving this. So what do we do? We follow these recommendations from people who are studied in this. We stay home. We don't do all the things we talked about earlier. And that's how we do this. And, you know, having read, I was a little skeptical at first when I was reading things about the flattening the curve thing. But 
they're saying that very probably 50 or 60% of us will get infected with this virus. Is there a vaccine? No, there's no vaccine right now. This is unlike other viruses because it seems to be like the cold in that it mutates a lot. At least we think that. So where are we now in the science, which is something I think you kind of wanted to get to. There's no vaccine now, and there's probably not going to be a vaccine for, I would suspect, 18 to 24 months. Because it's, and people are working on this furiously. There are a few uh, drug trials that I've seen. There are a few compounds. The best thing, of course, would be if there were some kind of a drug that's already on the market that had activity against this virus. I've seen some rep reports of uh, angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors having some activity because they share a receptor. I've seen some reports of chloroquine, which has been used for years for malaria, having some activity against this virus. There are a number of viruses out there that are treatable. The, and we look at my practice career, the penicillin of my practice career is the hepatitis C virus, which when I graduated from medical school in the 80s, we knew there was a virus, we knew it was a communicable disease, we didn't know what it was, we uh, knew it was passed through blood transfusions, uh, tattoos, needle use. Uh, in a space of from 1989, when the virus was first discovered, to right now, we're able to cure almost 100% of people with hepatitis C. That's amazing. HIV is another great example. In a 10-year period, we went from a death sentence, to people live with this, and they have essentially normal lives. There will be something to treat this virus. There will be a vaccine or a medication. It's not going to be soon. So until that happens... We need to hunker down and maximize our odds. That's great. Well, well I don't think we were so far off on back no, no, stock. We're not. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> I have a slightly different outlook. Something that I found that on the way here, actually, or before I came, I was looking at this online. A lot of my friends, fellow musicians, are doing, since all their gigs have been canceled, mm -hmm. a lot of tours have been canceled understandably, you know, we're all trying to, as he says, hunker down, and that's the smart thing to do. But a lot of people are doing house concerts, mm -hmm. just like this podcast, from mm -hmm. their home. You can either do it for free, or you could have people make donations, and you play a live hour and a half set from your home. I think that's a great idea for, for musicians to do that. I just posted that on Facebook. My um, nephew and his wife are big producers. And in New York, and so everything's been shut down. Mm -hmm. And so they posted and said, you know, can anybody throw out some ideas? And I said, exactly that same conversation early this morning. You know, there's some creative ways that we could, because of the internet. And since we're all home, absolutely. we can tune and in. And so I want people to just get crafty and artsy yeah. and, you know, and take a look at even, you know, you can even network other musicians on Facebook. Wouldn't that be cool? Or, yeah. you know, FaceTime, whatever, where you combine different musicians and make an album, make a record, you know, whatever. But I just, I think this is an awesome, awesome opportunity for all of us to 
maybe get back to our roots? Come together, yeah. You know, in Italy, how they're singing out of their windows under quarantine. They're singing to each other out in the streets. Really? It's beautiful. There's lots of videos of that. How cool. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I feel for the music community. I do. And I know that in the newspaper today, they were talking about um, the foundations that have come together to take a look at how to support those that need financial support. And I think that's real important. And I really take my hat off to those that are helping with that. You know, Austin is so much live music, and we do have to take a look at how to support people that are truly the artists that we go to see. And it's no different than the two of you all. We go to hear you. We want to be part of that world. And it stopped. But I think that more importantly, it's, for me, it is a place of spiritual balance more than anything else, of me going inside internally and saying, I'm safe. I'm okay. But I won't be if I don't reach out to help other people. And, you know, I'm, I sent an email to my son and daughter-in-law this morning, and I said, you're new to your neighborhood. Tonight, put a note in everybody's mailbox and say, here's our email. Here's our phone number. Let us collaborate together. And if somebody needs food, if somebody is sick and can't get out and needs, you know, groceries, whatever, then we collectively support each other. And I think that that's things that we need to say to our kids. We need to say to our friends, you know, what are you doing that makes a difference? Because if you are okay, then be okay for somebody else. It's that loving vibration that we've got to share. And um, I am reminded, and I say it every single day on Facebook as a reminder to people, that Psalm 91 clearly says that as long as you believe and you stand in that place with God, there is nothing that can come against you as long as you realize that he's there to protect. And you have to feel that. You have to believe that. You have to have the faith to move forward with that. And if you don't, then you are, you're setting yourself up for things that are fear-based. And that, in everything that I've read, is the largest epidemic to any disease is fear. Yeah, without a doubt. And there is no inoculation. Music is, the, I think, the number one healer. I really believe that. Regardless of language, or that? it's soothing. It's why do you think that? It feeds the soul. Yeah. Why do you think that? It's vibration. That is the question <laughs> I wanted right there. There we go. What do you want from me? I want that vibration. That's what I want. I like Everything that. Everything is vibratory. Yeah, I mean, just like the Italian thing. I yeah. love that so much because it. At the very least, it takes your mind off of the fear and off of the worry, and you're reaching out in communion with other people and remembering we're all connected. Yeah. If we all check on each other, then we should we should be okay. And I have family in Italy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's important to touch base with them as well. But, you know, if you just take a look at the people all over the world, we can lift them up. Mm-hmm. 
we can ask for the healing, whatever the message, whatever the lesson is. And if it's that we've been more ego-driven, all about me, if, if that's where we've been, then, you know, maybe we just need to be brought back down to earth. So I just want to agree with what Lisa said, which is I think that music, for me, and I think for a lot of people, is the portal to whatever is bigger than me. It is the, uh, the, the gateway to the soul, the gateway to whatever it is that is spiritual or divine or whatever word you're going gonna to use. Now, I don't know, and you said you know, a belief in God, and that, which is fine, but I really think that all religions, whatever religion you believe in, albeit you know, Judaism, Christianity, Hinduism, Islam, the essence of all religions is doing something for some of, someone other than yourself. Yes. Right? That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if you're going to call yourself a Christian, a good Christian, a good Jew, good Muslim, good Buddhist, good Hindu, it's all about doing something that's not selfish. Right. That's altruistic in some capacity. And I think that's what it's all about here, is that hoarding is not cool, and helping other people is what it's all about. Helping the community is what it's all about. As musicians, I can tell you I'm going to be spending a, a lot of time in the next couple of weeks with my guitars sitting and thinking about how to express some of this stuff. Because the best way to get angst out for me is music. And I know it is for Lisa, you too. And me both. And, for Phil. Um, and we're lucky because we get that. We have that. You know, not everybody gets to play music, and uh, it's a gift, and it's a, it's, it's a wonderful vehicle. But again, the whole point of this is, whatever you believe, it's all about doing something good for somebody other than yourself. Absolutely. So do you share your same conversation with music with your patients? It depends who, I, who my patient is. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, I have an interesting life in 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 the sense that I have a sort of a juxtaposition I take care of a lot of musicians and there'll be times when I'll walk into an exam room and I'll say hey you know what are you doing here and they'll say you know I'm here to see the doctor what are you doing here and I'll say I am the doctor because <laughs> <laughs> people don't know that they made an appointment and then other people will come to see me because they're musicians and I'm part of the community and you know, and it's for me. I consider myself very, very lucky to be in that position, that I can give back, that I can interpret something. And Lisa's the same way, because you know I've seen Lisa taking care of people um, that she knows from the music community. It's like people say, "Isn't that Lisa Tingle?" Yeah, that's that's Lisa. She's our nurse. And they're all, they always ask that for one thing they ask is, "Why are you here? Why right. are you working here?" It's like, "Cause you mean because music pays so much money and right." <laughs> takes you all around the world yeah no it's because i want to give back i i went through a long healing period after a bad car wreck years ago i saw stellar nursing and subpar nursing and it really inspired me to be part of that um helping other people that was the number one thing why i went back to school for nursing and it i'm lucky too and like dr becker says and that i can kind of have the best of both worlds um, but again, it, 
if you can't play music, I know most people respond to music and love music and turn to music in all different emotions. And this is the one time I think that it really makes a difference. It crosses all borders. This is not a Chinese disease. This is not a European disease. This is everyone's disease. This is, I think music is a big part of that uh, treatment for that. With Isn't it interesting that again, it comes back to vibration because yeah. music has a megahertz. Yep. And Dr. Becker, I'm with you. Love doesn't have any religion. Absolutely. <laughs> I think we can all agree to that. And there's not a distinction of one or the other. And I think that you eloquently said it, um, that it is about being willing to get outside the box and help other people. So, so I'm going to put in one slight plug. Just remember. <laughs> Here we go. If you're, no, I, I, I'm kidding. This goes for you, I'm too. Kidding. <laughs> I, I'm a huge Just Lisa Tingle fan, by the way. I'm a Dr. Yeah. Becker fan. <laughs> Okay. But I, but my, the point I was going to make is just remember the people who you know who are nurses and doctors. I was all I was in the hospital all day today. We have to go to work. We have to get out there and take care of these people. And you know you don't get to you don't get to not do your job. I signed on the dotted line when I took this job years ago. That means I got to put on protective gear and get out there and take care of people who are sick. Um, I'm very concerned about a lot of my patients who are on immunosuppressive medications. Um, but, but by the same token, because you're a nurse or a doctor, it doesn't give you a pass on being compassionate. You don't get to not do the right thing for other people. It's still beholden on you to help the society and help the general public. And I think that that is not only true of you all, but it's also true of EMTs, police officers, any first responder, fireman, right. anybody, everybody still has to do their job. And how we can give is one, doing what we're being asked to do, stay home. That helps you all. But more importantly, it affords the room for those that really need the help. But we can't do it without you guys. We can't. I don't think anybody um, is without concern for you guys as well. You are on the front line. No different than the military. You're a first line of defense. And um, we need to lift you guys up as well. So in this whole conversation of opportunity... What more would you like to say before we close? Lisa? Hmm. I, I think my number one thought, I don't know why this is, is heavy on my mind, is young parents with children that are home from school, and I'm sure they're trying to continue their jobs at home, the parents are, and raise their kids and keep them occupied. I know they're going nuts inside their houses. Um, I, they, the kids can't play with other kids. Everybody's worried about that. Um, maybe we can somehow get music involved there too. I don't know. Maybe we can play kids' music or something, you know, That's to a entertain great them. Idea. Yeah, because they're at home. Or maybe get out some pots and pans. I used to do that with my son, and he learned how to play instruments before he could play piano. So we're going to see you on a video teaching yeah. him how to play <laughs> with, with the, the pots and pans. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, 
you're saying that, but I think that's an incredible opportunity, even again, FaceTiming where parents are home with their kids and somebody else is home with the kids and the kids can do stuff together or arts to and crafts yeah. or pots and pans or guitar or mm-hmm. sing along. Right. Okay, we're putting you in charge of that one. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> You've got all this time at home, so we want to see it happening. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to suggest it. I've been suggesting it to friends that are, you know, that have babies, little ones at home. And we'll see. A lot of them are already doing that. Yeah. Just singing songs and involving them and trying to kind of keep doing their job at home, but entertaining the children at the same time. So my hat goes off to them. That's a lot of work. It is. Thank you. I appreciate that, Lisa. David, what would you like to say? Oh, there's only two things that exist in this world. One is love. One is fear. Dig down deep enough, and you'll figure out where you're coming from. That's all I'd like to say. Great. Thank you, David. Dr. Becker. I would just say um, everybody do their part. Stay home. Don't do things. If you think, maybe I shouldn't be doing this, don't do it. (laughs) Don't put anybody at risk that doesn't need to be at risk. We'll get through this. There have been pandemics before. This is not the end of the world. But there was, there's going to be a toll, and we're going to do our best to get through this. Thank you. You know, I, I'm going to be reminded again in closing to say to the general public that the things that we need to have at home are the normal things that we need to have at home for any virus. And if, if that's plenty of, plenty of care you know, a thermometer, the things for fever, you know, food, don't let people get dehydrated, Um, you know, let it run its course. That's no different than somebody that lives in the mountains that knows that they have to keep a basket or a box in the back of their car that has a blanket and water and food and whatever is necessary in the event that they get stuck and they're alone or that they're stuck in the snow and they have to wait for somebody. We all have the opportunity to take care of our family. And we need to listen to the suggestions that are made in our local area, because what I've found is that some may not be the same in our area that they might be in someplace else, only because of the population or the age of the population. So, um, I think that the opportunity and the message that we had today is simple. Do what we've been told to do. Love and serve others. It's just that simple. So, um, Dr. Becker, thank you. Pleasure. David Drapella, thank you. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Lisa, thank you. Thank you. But I'm going to really hold you to <laughs> that whole idea. And I'm and if I need to help you do that or be I'll, a part of I'll that, throw something together. then let's spread that out so that we put that out in the public. So um, Sarah Bush, we want to thank you for being here today. I can't say enough from my heart, um, the compassion, the love. And the desire to serve others is in this room. 
And now we just need to step outside and share that. So from all of us at A Quiet Place, our time is up. Thank you for yours. You're listening to Quiet Honest with Sarah Bush and David Drupella. For more content, videos, and information, visit us on the web at aquietplace.net or go to our YouTube channel and subscribe and ring the bell for notifications. You can also find David Trapella and Sarah Bush on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And also visit Sarah at her current website, thecorefoundations.com.